on Flashback Fridays, 6 to 7 p.m., only on SAFM. And uh, we like to celebrate uh, sporting heroes of years gone by on our show on Friday. And tonight we have a uh, former England captain and a member of the 2003 uh, World Cup winning team, Phil Vickery, who's played in three World Cups, including captaining the 07 team that lost to the box in France. And he joins us on the line. Phil, good evening, sir. Thank you very much for speaking to us here in South Africa. Good evening. No, it's a pleasure to be on. Really, really excited. How is the feeling that side ahead of the final? I mean, what are people saying? Um, things are pretty good over here. You know, there's, we, it's, it's the usual conversation that us sports fans have. You know, goodness me, you know, do you want Wales or do you want South Africa in the final? Then, then, then it's, oh, we soon have Wales. And then, it's, then people are saying, oh, goodness me, we've got South Africa. This is going to be hot. But I have to say, people are just very, very excited over here. You know, I think the, the I think the competition actually has caught the hearts of, of non rugby fans here in the UK. Mm. You know, which is really good and people have loved seeing the value, certainly, you know, looking at the box and the and the Zeno's, but all the teams, the way they've dealt with the fans, the little bits at the stadium, the the manners, the respect, you know, all the great things, you know, all those lovely things that I fell in love with with rugby when I was a kid are still as important today and I think our teams are, are, are still showing that and I think that's really one huge amount of people over certainly over here in the UK that is great to hear there if you've just joined us we're speaking to Phil Vickery the former England captain a World Cup winner a man who's played in three rugby World Cups we've just got a little bit of a cracking sound there on that line so we want to try and get him back on a better line but you can send us voice notes about Phil Vickery if you remember him if you have anything to say to him or if you have anything to say about the final you can call us or you can send the voice notes on WhatsApp on 061 and uh, also you can call us our studio Studio line is 0891-104207. Our SMS number is 41391. For those on social media, you can also tweet us. I can see that the tweets are, are coming through. And uh, where is that one there that I saw now from... Um, who's this? Mabasa says he must tell us who he thinks will win, how, where, what he thinks Eddie Jones has brought to this England team. And Eddie Jones has been the man that a lot of people have credited for the success of the England team. And we'll find out from Phil Jones. We've got him back on a better line. Um, Phil, you were just telling us just uh, about how you've seen this Rugby World Cup. What do you make of World Rugby's decision to take it to Japan? I mean, do you think it's paid off? Has it worked? Well, I think it, you know it's good to grow our game, isn't it? I mean, there, there are lots of challenges around in world rugby at the moment, in the sense of this is just purely layman's terms. Me looking from outside in, we want to grow our game. We want to spread our game around the globe. We want more people to to, to get involved in rugby, which is a hugely positive thing. But then it's the financials of it because the, you know. The commercials of our game have to work for our game to work. So then I've heard mumblings, well, you know, if, if it, the revenue streams aren't as much in Japan. But I think for as far as values and country and numbers and what the way that the, the Japanese people have got involved in the tournament has just been tremendous. I was there for the opening weekend mm-hmm. and I actually went to the South Africa All Blacks game and I know it wasn't a great result for you guys. I'm not saying that because <laughs> I'm on your radio show. But, but, but for me, walking around the stadium and seeing families 
young and old grandparents sharing, aunties, uncles, fans, supporters, all coming together to celebrate a sport. And, and they were non uh, South African music. They were the Japanese people, they were Brits, they were English, they were Welsh. It was just a tremendous thing. So I think having it in Japan certainly has proven that our game works, mm. you know, around the world. And I think now World Rugby needs to start and step, take a step back after this, this Rugby World Cup and actually go out, you know, what does World Rugby look like in two, five, ten, twelve years' time? Because there are lots of questions being asked now, aren't they? This Tier 1, Tier 2 yeah. nations, you know, the Six Nations, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, what does that look like? We need to give meaningful rugby. You know, you look at the islands and, and you know, Fiji are still competing. Uh, but, you know, you look at, the, the you know, the sad, for me, the sad demand of a Samoa and Tonga. Mm. Uh, you know, what are we really doing about that? Yeah, you, know, no. you know, what is happening? And I and I, and I I sit and I talk to you and I, I don't know the answers, by the way. Mm. I just say it makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel sad. And I don't, we shouldn't be like that. Yeah, no, the Pacific Islands teams have really been disappointing in this World Cup. Phil, we've already got people calling us. They want to speak to you. We're not even halfway through our conversation, but let's go to Velcom. Um, uh, and Achi joins us from Velcom. Achi, good evening. Thanks for calling us. Evening, guys. Evening. Good evening. Okay. I'm reminded of a British Lions team which toured South Africa in 73-74 and who caused us to change uh, caps or jerseys into 38 if it was not 38 positional plays Hmm. and uh, we South Africa had to manage to beat them only in the fourth test uh, in Pretoria in a 13-13 match though our wing was outside can you compare the present British uh, minute team uh, to that British Lions? I know that was four. Uh, British Lions is made out of four I mean, uh, states or something. Yeah. But now, can you th- compare the, th- the other ones to that? Thank you. I, I think it's I think it's very difficult to compare um, teams and moments and eras. I mean, I had this conversation this afternoon with on the media over here in the UK. I was in a room last night to so talk about the British and Irish Lions mm. with Sir Gareth Edwards. Now, Sir Gareth was probably the greatest scrum half in Wales of all time. Yeah. How can you compare a guy who played in that era? when the game was in the way it was played then with the way the game is played now even with how can you compare the beast with Oz Durant <laughs> you know it, it, it's just so difficult to yeah. put in and then you ask the question you know compare you know your greatest you know South African Springbok team of all time you know we've all got different views I, mm. I just think sometimes for me you need to remember that team for that era and just leave it alone because why try and dissect it or why try and compare you know I, I just think for one you can but just enjoy it for what it was you know I, I grew up watching um, international rugby never think, thinking for one second I was ever going to play the game at international level but mm. I felt inspired by watching the All Blacks by watching the South African team you know watching Francois Pinot lift that 
trophy in in, in 95 you know wow it was just unbelievable Mm. how could you compare that springbok team with the springbok team just going to play tomorrow you know and I, I don't know. I just think sometimes we need to be careful what we wish for. All I know is, is our game through the eras of created some truly unbelievable rugby players and mm. I, I wouldn't want to try and compare too much. And on that note, I mean, many years ago here in South Africa, no one would have expected or thought that a black a rugby player would one day, let alone wear the Springbok jersey, but go on and captain the Springboks. And that's what we are seeing in 2019. What an unbelievable story. But Phil, having played for the British and Irish Lions, why is it such a big thing that side to play for the Lions? Cause it, and it, it is something that the kids want to do. They want to play for England and they want to play for the, for the Lions also. Yeah, I think so. And I think if you could kind of, you know, over here in the UK, I know we're all a bit strange, aren't we? Because we all live together, but we all kind of knock each other all the time. <laughs> we all, we've got a love-hate relationship with everyone. But I think as a rugby player, if you could imagine um, being selected to represent, so you are considered to be the best of the four nations, you know, you know, wow, you know, it's just, uh, uh, it's just a, very, a very, very special place. Mm. To, to be and, and to represent the Lions and all what's gone before and, and like your previous caller talked about you know the Lions tours of the 70s and the histories the Willie John McBride your Gareth Edwards the, it, it's just you know I grew up you know just hoping one day to maybe see a British and Irish Lions game let alone play in one and, and actually ironically for me you know my last game of international rugby was which I didn't know at the time, was actually yeah. the third test in 2009 against the Springboks in, in, in Joburg. I didn't know that at the time, but it was. And uh, I walked off of that, that pitch and unbeknown to me, that was my final game of international rugby. And I feel, although I'm a proud Englishman, uh, you know, I'm a proud Brit, but to, 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 not by choice, but to have finished playing for the British and Irish Lions uh, at test level, I, I, you know, I'm true, I feel truly blessed to, to, to be able to do that. And on that note, Phil, do you have do you have any regrets, especially considering that you suffered a lot of injuries and and your rugby career was basically you had to end it because of the of the neck injuries? Yeah. Well, listen, I don't I don't think you can have regrets. I mean, if I can be totally honest with you, I grew up on a family farm. Yeah. Down in Cornwall, which is very southwest of uh, of England, you know, in the middle of nowhere. I live in the you know our village is tiny. If you if you drove through it, you wouldn't know it was there. Nothing happens to people in my village. I'm very lucky. I was introduced to rugby by a school teacher. I went along to my local rugby club, and do you know what? For the first time, I got welcomed in. Come in, we can do. You know, I was a big lad. Didn't matter. I'll teach you. I can help. And I fell in love with a game of rugby. And to think, I look back at my career to, yes, all my injuries and yeah, neck operations and spinal operations. And people say to me, you've got 73 England caps. You could have another 70 if you hadn't been injured. I got 73 more than I ever thought I was going to get, you know. <laughs> it, and it was just a, just a magical to have been able to play in you know, three Rugby World Cups. To have been on two British and Irish Lions tours, to become a European champion, to domestic champion, to captain my country, you know, all these brilliant things. I don't, I don't have any, of course I didn't want to be injured or I, I didn't want to lose as England captain. I didn't want to lose to South Africa in 2007 Rugby World Cup final. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Although I have to say, of all the people to, to hand the trophy on to, South Africa are, are a proud nation and that made me feel okay. And certainly in John Smith, 
the captain to see John holding that trophy uh, aloft. I was proud for him because he's a good because he's a good human being. Mm. So you know you can't have regrets, you, you know, and I, and I certainly don't. I wish I could have done more, but then I think you always wish you could have done more. I'm very lucky to to, to have been able to achieve what I did. You mentioned that you grew up in a, in a in a farm. There is it true that you're yeah. a qualified cattle inseminator? Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the funny thing was rugby rugby kind of got in the way of, <laughs> of my career. I wa- I had an ambition as a 15 year old. I wanted the best dairy herd of cows in North Cornwall. That was my ambition for life. Oh. And uh, I went out and I learned my um, AI course because I wanted to, to, to bring my cows. I wanted to play better dairy cows. And I, and I just wanted, that was my ambition. I wanted to have the best dairy herd of cows. So got my qualification and then I suddenly started playing rugby and, 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 and all that side of life just went very quiet and I, and I went on my rugby career. Hmm. And I believe you started playing as an as an eighth man, but evolved into a prop as time went by. How did that happen? What, what were the coaches saying to you? Did they move you uh, to the front row? Uh, yeah, well, to be honest, I didn't actually start playing rugby until I was 11, which is kind of a bit of a strange one now in the rugby circles. Mm. You've got to start so young. Well, we didn't have that where I came from. So I actually started playing school. I went to what we call it secondary school. I'm not sure what you call, call it in, in, in South Africa. And... I didn't have a clue, didn't know the rules, didn't know what was going on, but Mr. Opie, my teacher, who sadly is no longer with us, he was just an incredible guy, he just got me involved and he started helping me and he put me at number eight because I was a big old boy and I liked my carry, I liked to carry and I liked to run around, I liked to get stuck in and be involved and then I went to the second row mm. and then I ended up being in the front row when I was, what I have been, probably 14, 15 and that was it for me, once I got in the front row, I then, you know, played for England at under sixteen level, which was unusual because I come from a, a state school, a comprehensive school, which is in the school system is unusual because I'm a farmer who went to a state school and he's got in, so that was that was different. But I played for England under sixteens, uh, England Colts, the under twenty ones, and then, you know, I debuted for England. It all happened quite quickly. So I debuted for England at the age of twenty one in the front row, which was kind of unheard of. But I was the, one of the first of the new breed of the six-foot-plus props. You know, the classic prop here in the UK then was, you know, was in the five-foots. You know, you were small, don't pass in the ball, <laughs> you know, walk around, look menacing and scrummage. Whereas I wanted to run with the ball, I wanted to pass, I wanted to get involved, I was athletic. I was still big, but I was kind of that new era of, of what what we look at now as, as today as to being the, the, that professional six-foot-plus uh, you know, rugby player who, who pretty much plays anywhere. You once said you watched you watched Cornwall play at Twickenham as a youngster, and you never thought that yeah. you'd play in that stadium yourself. At what point, yeah. then, Phil Vickery, would you say that you saw the potential that you had, and that you could actually go a bit further uh, in the sport? I don't know. It's a tough one. I, I think we all we all dream, don't we? That's why we love sport. You know, we all dream. Like my son's playing tennis today in a tennis tournament, and he dreams of being. You know Roger Federer, you know, and I, I as a youngster, dreamt of being uh, an England rugby player. And I remember going to that stadium and watching Cornwall, which is my county, Mm. and that was the biggest thing, you know, where we came from. You could do, and and, you know, the thought of just playing for Cornwall would have been everything. But I never, I never dreamt of, of, I never dreamt of that I'd ever run out of Twickenham with an England shirt on, and. 
to say when did I think it was all going to happen, I, you know, I honestly don't know because even when I left home, because no none of my family leave home, we don't, just no one leaves home from where I come from. And I left home and I remember mum crying and getting emotional and she didn't say, but I, I, I want to get quite deep now, I don't want to go on about it, but my mum mm. said something to me, she said, she didn't say don't go, although she was crying and I knew she didn't want me to go, she said, Phil, home will always be here for you. And I remember leaving home and moving up to Gloucester. They got me a job on a local farm, milking. It's a guy called Ben <laughs> Pullen, milking his cows, and training on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. And within six months, the game went professional. I was recognised, you know, played in that England system. And then suddenly I got offered a contract to be a professional rugby player. No one knew what a professional rugby player was, but I got offered a contract. And then literally from that was the age of 19... 19 going into 20 and then you know at the age of 21 I'm running out of Twickenham England versus um, uh, you know Wales mm-hmm. but I had a bit of luck you know you, you, it's the right time the right place the right time I got selected it was for an England select 15 so when would that have been that would have been the autumn of 97 the All Blacks were touring over here mm-hmm. and I played what basically was an England A game against the, the touring midweek team and I got selected, so that was my first break. And the guys like Todd Blackadder and actually Sean Fitzpatrick was trying to get back fit as when he was still struggling with his mm. knee. And I played against a guy called Mark Allen. They called him the Bull. Oh, yeah. He's a tight head prop from Taranaki, New Zealand. And they asked how the young farmer boy, young Cornish farmer boy, is going to get on against the Bull. And that Clyde Woodward said, "We've got our own Bull, the Raging Bull." <laughs> and that's where my brand, the Raging Bull, started from. So. I went out, a bit lively, got stuck in, going to take a backward step, proud of where I come from, proud of my roots, my heritage. Come on, sunshine, you've got to have it. And that was just really the launch pad because that following Six Nations was my launch pad and my, I started you know, my, my England career. So it's kind of a, I make it sound quite simple and it really it was quite simple, but lots of little things have to align. But I yeah. say this to any rugby or sports, because I'm a sports fan, any young sports fan coming out, there are certain things which have to align sometimes for things to work out. It doesn't just happen. You have to be in the right places to, to be considered. You have to go that little bit extra to, to people are thinking about you. And yes, I was lucky. I was lucky. But I moved away from home. I didn't want to move away from home, but I did it. So then it puts you in that position to be able to be selected. You know, you, you do go that little bit further and you know, I, I speak to you now as proud, uh, as proud an Englishman, as proud a, a dad and a, and a husband, and someone who's proud of our game more today than I ever have been. I, you know, honestly, I, I just feel very blessed and, and and very lucky to have been able to do what I do. And, and even know. and even spreading the word last night, you know, I was at a, 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 a it wasn't actually it was a sporting event mm-hmm. and seeing some sporting greats there. Lee Westwood was there from from golf, the golfer, and various yeah. footballers, Graham Sunez and oh, there's rugby legends, uh, Henri Leconte from 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 tennis, and just being able to now still influence. We were raising money last night for, mm. for a charity called Deborah, which which is a condition where people are born with their skin is literally like paper and, and it's, a, it's a horrible, horrible um, uh, disease which we're trying to raise money to raise awareness. So through sport, we're still able 
to fill a room at the Grosvenor on Park Lane in London and, and raise, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds to help charities just through sport, just through what we've done. Can you believe I, I that makes me feel so proud that we can still do that? Amazing. And on the on the phone here to you today, you know, speaking about rugby, um, I'm here in the UK, you're in South Africa, you know, South Africa versus England tomorrow. <laughs> You know, wow, it's fantastic, isn't it? Great, it is great. And it's an honor for us to be speaking to you tonight, Phil Vickery. Colin, I'm going to come to you shortly, but I want to start with a voice note. So many people happy to hear from uh, Phil. Let's hear what they have to say. Yeah, Phil Vickery is a legend um, of the game. Um, I started watching rugby during his era, um, the era of the untouchable England squad. You had Jason Robinson on the wings, you had your uh, Neil the Best, you had your Lawrence Delelio, you had your Martin Johnson, Johnny Wilkinson, um, your Mike Katz, you know. So, yeah, I know, uh, Phil Rickery is, is a legend. Thanks for having him join us on radio today. Um, and, you know, I've always respected England from those days, from that World Cup when they beat Australia in Australia. I've just respected them, you know on their day on their day and i fear for tomorrow because this england squad has got momentum and an england squad when it's got momentum it's like a juggernaut you can't stop it but i know my box they are able to pull up a surprise but yeah phil vickery thank you for joining um us on 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 on, on radio and it's good to hear your voice as a South african who grew up watching you guys play i mean you guys would beat new zealand you would beat us one time you put 50 points past the spring box but yeah, you, yeah i've always had that respect for the english game and you guys have been good competitors throughout the years tomorrow we'll see what it brings for us this is Senzo Mzilla from peter Marisburg. thanks good evening again a question for your guest were there ever better rugby players than sean fitzpatrick and david campisi just checking. Thank you. Bye. Good evening uh, to me, Salsa. Good evening to Phil. Um, I just want to ask a question uh, to Phil um, of why was he called the Raging Bull or the Raging Bull? I don't know, Raging or uh, um, Raging Bull. Um, so that's the first uh, question. And uh, then the other um, question you know you know in, in in england you know there are many many um you know great uh, players that um are rather coaches that um they in england who is the best coach that uh, he has played under in his career thank you very much it's libra in east london okay thanks uh, uh, libra uh, phil i don't even know where to start but what do you make of those voice notes especially that first one the guy that says he started following rugby when you guys were playing yeah, well, you know, it's just lovely to, to hear and to listen, actually. I think one of the greatest privileges that you can have as a, as a sportsman, or even even like you guys, as you know, in your work that you do, you're affecting people's lives. And that's a really, really special thing to be able to do. And, you know, I still get people today come up to me and will say, you know, thank you for everything you've done. And actually, when I retired... I kind of didn't know what it was going to be like and um, you think what's important and what's not important. Some of the letters and cards that I receive from people are, you know, makes me feel emotional now, you know, just thanking me for for what, what 
I did, but what we did, but for you know, just for being me and you, you know, my children followed you, looked up to you as a as a role model, and they they took up rugby or they got involved in sport or got active or believed in themselves because they because you know and that's honestly it's such a a very very special thing to be able to be here and talk to you about that you know mm. when you're able to affect people's lives and make a difference to people's lives i think you're in a very privileged position mm. and uh, i think you've answered the one about comparing players from different eras and also the nickname the raging bull that voice note came just yeah. before that but i wanted to know who's the best coach you've worked under um i think there's lots i think it's difficult to pick out one individual because ultimately you know, you work with different people, and you have different, you know, and you you achieve things together. So, but I, I probably in my early days, I, I actually enjoyed. And I know John Mitchell has been, you know, worked out in South Africa. Yep. But John Mitchell was, you know, I was a young boy when I first got involved with that England team, and John was very, very good to me. He's a much different man now, and I've been <laughs> spent some time with him again in the summer. But he. He believed in me, and he gave me uh, confidence to, to believe that I could do something. I think one of the best coaches I've ever worked with is a guy called Brian Ashton. Uh, as an attack coach and his philosophy on rugby and the way that he wants it to be played, I, I, I've never kind of known anyone to, to, you know, just filled me with joy, you know. And he treated me, and I think, to, to, if I'd give to advice people, uh, although he was a backs coach and he was an attack coach, mm. he treated me and talked to me exactly the same as he did to a wing three quarter or a centre. And I was a front row forward. He wanted me to learn. He wanted me to play. He wanted me to be, feel inspired. So, and, and just the way he wanted the game to play. So Brian Ashton, but of course, you know Clive Woodward, so his Clive. philosophies, you know, and the, in what he wanted, you know, winning behaviours, you know, high performing team. You know, wanting to be the best, you know, believing in me, believing in the team, you know, and if you said, you know, I had to fight to run through, you know, brick walls for people, then, then certainly those two guys would be at the top of the list with, with a few others as well. It's difficult mm-hmm. to pick out because you also go through, you know, your career and different times of your career. And, you know, I can go right back to my first coaches when I first started playing as important as the guys at the end, you know, because they engaged me. Mm. You know, they, they inspired me to want to play. And without them, you know, I wouldn't have got where I, where I got. So they were really important. So I'm very yeah. lucky to have worked with some, some, some pretty fantastic coaches, actually. Yeah. I actually enjoyed with the Lions. Yeah. You know, even Warren Gatland, uh, I enjoyed one of what was not so much of a coach, but I liked his psyche and his mentality. Uh, I also enjoyed my time Although it was a short period of time with the Lions with Graham Henry. Oh, so Graham Henry. Now, I know there was there was a lot of upset on that tour about the way he was and the way he treated, not treated people, but the way he, he dealt with people. I actually, I was oblivious to all that. I actually really enjoyed my time with Graham and, 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 and actually enjoyed the way that he wanted to play the game. So it's kind of a, it's horses for courses, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Let's just go to the lines first. Trap of thinking that everyone loves the coach, you know. Not you, you always have, you know, disagreements and challenges. And I don't mind that. I don't yeah. all have to necessarily agree. Right, this is the plan. This is how we're going to execute it. Are we all in? Yes. Right. Let's get on and do it. And, I, and I'm, I'm one of those. Just, just get on and do it. And he had another classic comment during this Rugby World Cup, say Graham Hendry, only he can say stuff like that live on TV. But let's go to Colin. Thanks very much, Colin, for, for holding on. We no, appreciate I'm it. holding a long time, but anyway, good evening to you and Phil. Hello, Phil. 
Hello. Oh, you can hear me. I can hear you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you quickly. Uh, I wonder if I should ask you towards the end. Um, I'm trying to figure out what year did you play your rugby? Because, you know, I've been following the rugby from the 60s. And, you know, we had mighty teams, mighty, mighty, mighty teams. And I'll never, ever forget 72, Willie John McBride. Yeah. British Lion. Well, listen, listen, I was born in 76. Oh, and I, 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 I still. <laughs> no, I'm listen, just saying. I've uh, been a rugby, been a rugby player. No British lion will ever forget that whitewash that they gave us. Yeah, yeah. Woody John McBride, and you know we lost all the tests. We lost all, and I heard you talk about uh, we used to play um, those days uh, midweek games. Remember, yeah. you had yeah, a, like yeah. Wednesday yeah, yeah. a midweek game, and then uh, Saturday was a test. Mm. Yeah. And you know, the midweek game, before the last test, we were, le- uh, we were leading the, um, uh, the British Lions, uh, free state against the British Lions. We were leading them 6-6, um, six, six, uh, those days a penalty and the try was only three points. But anyway, we were leading two points. Uh. And Andre Besby... <laughs> on the time of the, the stroke of luck, he gave a penalty away. And that would have been the only provincial team, free state, that could have beaten Willie John McBride's team. And yeah. we gave it away. Great. Great, great memories there, uh, Colin. Oh, we have to move on. So many people calling us. Mdanga, a quick one, my friend. Good evening in Cape Town. Good evening. Good evening, good evening, Putabiso. This time in Japan, Put. Look, 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 Putabiso. I just want to ask one question from Ufil. Does it think that squad we saw the the 2007 game? It was a tightly contested game that we are playing again tomorrow. Does it think tomorrow's game will be much more open? There will be more tries as compared to Leai game in 2003. And also, good luck to to the two. Thank you for that, Mdange. And we've got tickets for you for the game tomorrow, by the way. Quick, we'll take, uh, Phil, we'll take a quick break. We'll let you just respond after this. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Okay, there was a question about the 07 Rugby World Cup final, but I want to start in 03, Phil, because you say that, um, I mean, uh, that was the greatest adventure that you could have ever had winning the Rugby World Cup in 2003. I mean, how do you describe that game against Australia going all the way to extra time decided by a drop goal? Well, I mean, you know, you, you, you couldn't write it, could you? It's kind of things that you read about in books and go, I don't believe that. That couldn't have happened. And, uh, you know, ultimately, it, it, it brings it back to just how close these things are. And, and your call earlier asking about what my thoughts about the game at the weekend, will it be different to, mm. to the final in 07? Well, you know, often finals, uh, just because of the magnitude of the of, of of what they are, being the final, brings things closer together anyway. Uh, and you know, when you think in 2000, 2003 with that settled team, you know, the the all conquering team of yep. England, really, you know, extra time, a drop goal by a left footed goal kicker on his right, right foot <laughs> was just it was just enough to clinch it. You know, there was. 
you know, there was nothing in it. And, you know, and even in 07, really, I know two very different teams, but even so, the finals still, finals are often pretty close affairs. And it's about taking uh, the opportunities when they arise. And you think back to 03, I think Benke dropped the board, didn't he, with a line glaring. Mm-hmm. We were all over them for quite a long period of time, but didn't get the score from it. And how many times do we watch matches like that and you think you need to take advantage of this? It's a little bit like the South Africa game against the All Blacks this yeah. year at Rugby World Cup. You know, the, 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 the Springboks were so dominant, but actually didn't really get on the scoreboard enough. And then suddenly that crazy, what was it, five or six minutes, and they mm. conceded two tries and the game's gone. You know, that's how... That's how quickly things And that, the, there was the Mark Quetta try in 07. Was it a try or not, Phil? Let's put it to rest. Well, listen, you know, we can surmise about it until the cows come home. It wasn't a try. It wasn't given a try. And, you know, it pro- pro- probably wasn't. I don't think even if you had the technologies now, I don't yeah. think you'd actually know. Um, but I don't certainly don't lose any sleep over it. That's sport. That's just the you know the way it is. Um, but it was a fan, you know, it's a fantastic occasion. And, for, you know, for us, you know, to have lost, what, 36-0, was 33 it? 33-0 in stages? the first game. Yeah. You know, 36-0 we lost. And, you know, to, 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 to show the resilience and the character to, to, to fight back and to, to get, you know, to beat Australia in that quarterfinal and then to beat the home nation, the host nation yeah. in their home stadium in the semifinal to get to the final was probably a game too far for us. You know, this England team tomorrow is, is a totally different, um, scenario um, but I'm really looking forward to it I think before the tournament if you'd have said to me you had to pick one team and 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 you know that you know if you had if you had to have a bet on a team which you thought like could do this and I would have picked South Africa just because oh. started to show some form almost reminiscent of, 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 of a traditional South African team scrummage line out physicality um, really high energy in the contact area uh, and I thought wow and although the Springboks haven't played that well this Six Nations or Six Nations this tournament so mm-hmm. far in Rugby World Cup we all know they've got the big game in them and they can uh, they're one of very few teams that can actually dominate uh, opposition and it's going to be so interesting to see tomorrow just how that all starts to pan out. But a fantastic challenge. You know, I'm so looking forward to a match. Okay. I want to go to a voice note quickly. Let's go there. Hi, Phil. Um, well, basically, I'm a bit flabbergasted, to be honest. I thought that I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to basically to speak to you again. Um, and, uh, well, some, some nice things in life only happens once, like you guys know. And uh, first of all, let's get it out of the way. Uh, good luck for tomorrow's test match against the Springboks. Um, I did live in the UK for five years, so I have empathy. So uh, whoever wins, well, you can't say rugby win, will win, because, but somebody's going to cry tomorrow. And hopefully it uh, will not even be one of us but that's going to be a tough one to sidestep no the thing that i remember about phil vickery is it's just his uh, his aura that he had there's a, a lot there's few people in rugby especially that walks into a room and make time and people stand still and phil vickery was one of those guys um, he was like uh, all modern day US van Vestas in South Africa and um, you will think that he is like this really rough and tough guy that just literally just 
gets on the pitch to to hurt people, which is obviously his job. But um, when you meet him off the pitch, I think it's just completely the opposite. You got a really tough guy, but with the heart, with the heart of gold. And I reckon the thing that I, all the highs that he had in his career, and. Um, and all the games he played, I think the, there's so many accolades that we can throw his way. But I think the one thing that will stick with me will, is he's just a normal bloke that will spend time and will always help where he can. And his humility um, was just the thing that I, even when I was a lot younger, I could just realise um, humility is something so important to take you far in life. So, Phil, thanks for that first rugby lesson. Okay, thanks for that voice note. I don't know if you can recognize that voice, Phil Vickery, but it's a certain Derek Hochat. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, it made me feel, uh, made me feel very, very uh, special, actually. That's a lo- lovely, one of the greatest compliments I think you can give me, really. I think there's something which I've always tried to make sure I mean I'm not perfect and yeah. I don't try and pretend that I'm perfect so I don't know what perfection is I don't think any of us do we all try but I think I've always tried to go about what I do with, with, with in the right way for the right reasons you know with the right purpose and I think rugby is for me the reason why it's the greatest sport in the world is because of all the other bits yes the the, the game but actually it's all the other bits around it which make it special and I think it's what, what keeps our game separate from, from so many others you know good human beings it, you know, it makes me so proud thank you for that really thank appreciate you. it we've, we've got 30 seconds left Phil but I just want to ask this question from David Thompson on Twitter he wants to know if you believe Japan should be upgraded to top tier status well I think we have to start giving meaningful rugby to um you know, nations, and if we are serious about growing our game globally, then we have to let teams, and we have to find ways of 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 bringing these teams in. And what the answers are, I don't know, because we all want to play, you know, more rugby. We can't get more players, but we we have to make things real. And at the moment, I, I think we're doing teams like Japan a disservice, and we need to have a serious look at ourselves. Great stuff, Phil. We are out of time, but it was an honor for us to speak to you. One of our highlights here on SAFM. Thank you very much for finding the time to speak to us. We wanted to talk to you, talk about what you've achieved, and most importantly, sir, just give you the respect that you you deserve. Oh, thank you. I really enjoy it. Any time, guys. If I can help out, then just ask. Thank you. Are you calling it tomorrow? Uh, I am just going to Gloucester Rugby Club to watch it with a load of fans from Gloucester Rugby. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to go back to where it all started for me and hopefully it'll go full circle. Okay, (laughs) may the best team win, Phil Vickery. Thanks for speaking to us on SAFM. My name is Tabi Somosia. We're back again on Monday between 7 and 8. Thank you to Katla Humudiba and Babalam Dumain Technical.